Hey everybody, I'm Doug. And I'm Connor. That's Connor. He's actually in the hallway today because we have so many guests in the studio and the energy in here is amazing. In fact, we weren't even going to start with a fun question. We were going to get right down to business, but this crew is excited and ready to talk about what they do. And before we do that, I'm going to ask them all, if you could be on a reality show, which reality show would you be on? I should actually say who we're talking to today. I'm so excited. I'm sitting down here with the equity team at Bethel School District, Deb Carlman, Michael Dwyer, Sasha Fischel Freeman, and Will Waverly. First off, Michael, reality show, which one would you be on? Definitely The Amazing Race. I like the challenge of The Amazing Race. I like all the crazy stuff that happens on The Amazing Race. I just think it'd be a good time. I was pretty fast back in high school. I can find things. It's kind of a fun little scavenger hunt. I think it'd be great. So The Amazing Race would be my reality show. Now, that's not a solo reality show. You'd have to bring a partner. Who would you pick? I don't know. I'd probably pick one of the guys on the team. Either Will or Sasha, I think, would be good teammates. If it was all three of us, I think we could knock it out of the park. I love that. Great answer. Sasha, over to you. Reality show you would be on. I like to cook, so probably some kind of like cooking reality show, like Chef Ramsay or something like that. Is he the guy that yells at everybody? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't enjoy that part, but whatever. I was going to say, you're ready for that heat? What about the great British Bake Off? Oh, I haven't seen that one, but yeah, sure, I'd do it, you know? It's much more calm. Nobody yells at anybody. <laughs> Will, how about you? So I hope my wife isn't listening to the podcast, and hopefully not, because she works in a different school district, but it would probably be The Bachelor, right? <laughs> now, I may happily marry married man wife i love you <laughs> you're the best but hey whatever it is a month two weeks and you just got 20 or 30 women just oogling and ogling over you absolutely a dream um reality show i would be on <laughs> that is a bold choice <laughs> deb you're gonna have a hard time beating that one deb carlman director of the equity team good luck well, Doug, I detest reality shows. <laughs> I don't have a favorite. I cannot stand them. So kudos to all you guys. This is what makes our team great because we come and show up as we are, right? I love that. I'm not letting you off the hook, though. Not a reality show. What fictional TV show would you want to be part of? I'm guessing Downton Abbey or one of the British murder mysteries. What say you? I really like Brighton. I really got into that one. So, yes. I can go with that, Doug. Thanks. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, this has been a big year for the equity department. Deb, not only do you have two new staff members, but you now have three equity specialists. To get us started, let's talk about the importance of having an equity department for school districts. This is something 10 years ago, it was a department of one. Things have changed and districts are seeing the benefit and the rewards for students with equity departments. Let's talk about that. The whole idea behind equity is access and how that looks different for every student. Because we used to look at things equal, everybody got the same thing. Well, now we're looking at equity, which is a totally different look. And what it does, it allows students to succeed in what areas that they need and what, you know, how we can support that. Why have an equity department? Well, in Bethel specifically, it's the board's number one goal, and it's Superintendent Siegel's number one goal. The biggest thing, though, is what we value, the words we say, and the values that we hold. We needed to identify some action behind those words. And I think that's what's given our department the ability to do what we're doing. And we're at the table. We're at the table in a lot of critical 
conversations and decisions that are made. So it is very exciting to be a part of this, and I can't think of a, a better way to support students. Absolutely, and that's what this is all about. And all of you in this room go a long way to helping remove barriers for students so they can focus on their education and not on external factors. Along with district-level equity department here, each school now has an equity team made up of staff at that school. That's been a long time coming. It was a multi-year process to implement. What kind of things are those teams focusing on, Deb? Well, this year we're launching into instruction. And we're looking at instruction from the point of view of belonging. What does belonging look like when, as an instructional leader, you are teaching our students? In the past, we've done self-reflection, we've done book studies, we are building capacity, having crucial conversations, sharing activities with staffs. We have 33 equity teams, Doug. And of those, we have departments that are part of that, too. So not only every school, but we have departments that have equity teams. And so it has really been something that when we began this journey, honestly, I had no idea where it would take us. Well, Connor has our next question. Can you tell us what you're looking for when you put the two together? Connor, I, I didn't get that at all. Connor, I'll do the heavy lifting here. You go get a coffee or something. We are joined here with all three of your equity specialists who we've already heard from. Before we meet everybody even more, Deb, tell us what you were looking for when you put this team together. I was looking for individuals that loved kids and really had an ability to connect with kids. This is the job. We're supporting students. We're supporting the buildings. We were supporting our parents in supporting the students. And that was just the number one goal and I really believe we have an outstanding team. This has really been an exciting beginning to this year. And this is a department that is not sitting in the district office. You all are out in the schools working with students on a daily basis. Michael Dwyer, this is your first year in Bethel. What schools are you covering and what drew you into equity work? Uh, as far as the schools that I'm covering, it is Bethel High School and all the feeder schools that lead to Bethel High Schools. I started um, in equity work probably in 2011, 2012, working for the College Success Foundation. I was doing a lot of work with black and brown men of color in the middle and the high schools and helping try to close that achievement gap with those young men. And that work was super challenging, very exciting. And in doing that, brought me back to this work and also back to the district that I was raised in and that I graduated in. Fantastic. And I'm just going to say it. Um, your voice is amazing. Um, if Connor ends up not coming back from that coffee, we might have an extra role for you here in the district as co-host of the podcast. <laughs> Sasha Fischel Freeman, this is your first year in Bethel too. What do you hope to bring to students here in Bethel through your work? And and before you, before you answer that, what schools are you covering? Yeah, no, thanks. I cover GK High School. That's where I'm based out of. And I cover all of the feeder schools, the GKs. I think I try to approach my work with a deep sense of like respect for the young people that I work with and their families and their communities. And for me, it's really important to recognize kind of the, the expertise that young people have and carry about the conditions of their own lives and also their needs, right? That's what I want to bring to, to this work, to the students I work with, to the schools, to the community, is a deep, just a really deep sense of respect for their experiences, their expertise, their families, their community, their histories, their languages, cultures, all of that stuff. Absolutely. Will Waverly, you're the veteran equity specialist on the team. Tell me what schools you cover, and how have you seen your work grow over the years here in Bethel? Let me clear my throat, right, because Michael getting extra jobs, right? Let me see that it worked. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Can't have rookies coming here taking all the extra work. 
But seriously, no. Um, I cover the feeder schools from Spanaway Lake all the way down, so the middle schools and the elementary schools that feed into Spanaway Lake. How my role has changed over the years from beginning to now is when we first started, it was more of a firefighter role. It was just constantly chasing and putting out fires. What has changed is now it's more of a Smokey the Bear role. What does Smokey the Bear do? Smokey the Bear prevents forest fighters. We have established processes and systems in place, and now it's about preserving those processes, preserving those systems, and now the different schools come ahead of time. We see this potential problem coming. Will, can you help us navigate that? And that's been exciting, right, because no one likes chasing fires all the time, right? We want to get to the point to where we're actually building stuff instead of just fixing mistakes that have happened. I love that. That's a great analogy. Well said. Debbie, your team helped kick this school year off with a district-wide webinar on belonging. Tell us a little bit about the importance of that concept, and I'm going to have the equity specialist chime in too afterwards. When uh, I think of belonging on a personal level, I realize the longer I do this work, how significant it is and how valuable it is to feel like you're part of something. Also understanding that it's a fundamental human need and it transcends all languages and cultures. It's how we're wired. As we talked about to prepare for the kickoff for this year, it just felt like it was the next step in what we're doing in, in Bethel. And so as we did that, we looked at what that really means. And belonging really is this space where you can be yourself, that you fit in, that you show up. You don't have to be anybody but yourself. It was a great kickoff to the school year. Michael, did you have anything to add about um, belonging as a concept? Absolutely. I think belonging is probably one of the most important concepts that young people can have. I just remember, and I think we can all remember being in school and just wanting to feel like you belong there or you're a part of a group and people saw you and that you were accepted into that group. And if you had those items, it made it a lot easier to learn because you wanted to show up with a smile on your face. You want to get up and put on your best clothes. You brush your teeth, you smell good, all the things that make you want to be a great young person in the school system. And then once you can do that, it makes it a lot easier to learn really hard concepts. If you don't have that sense of belonging, the acting out and all those things happen to where kids can't learn. And the ultimate goal for every student here in the district is to learn, to graduate, and to be productive parts of the community. I, I love that goal. I think it's such a critical aspect of school and so important for students, right? So important to focus on. I mean, one of the things that I think about when I think about what belonging looks like in schools is how crucial it is for students to see themselves in school spaces and the curriculums that they're learning and their teachers. You know, it's really important that students like see themselves reflected and like valued, right? Um, in their schools and, and in their classrooms. So that's, that's one of the things that I think about. Sasha, thank you. Will, how about you? When I think of sense of belonging, the word that comes to mind is community. We use community in schools often. How are you going to be part of a community if you don't feel like you belong? One of the things that we learned, well, we knew, but was especially evident in COVID, is school is so much more than just the educational piece. It's that sense of belonging. It's that sense of community. It's that sense of family. It's that sense of knowing that I'm important. When COVID took that away, you saw the impact that it had on students, and quite frankly, that it had on teachers and administration as well. So that is why this sense of belonging is so important because it helps us continue to strengthen our communities. Absolutely. Helping students feel that they belong is so important. And the work that you three do to help students overcome barriers that are in the way of their education is just, it's essential. It's critical. I know we're early in the year, but I'm wondering if you all have some success stories you can share with us. 
Sasha, we'll start with you. Give Michael's voice a rest for a minute. A <laughs> um, couple weeks ago, I was in a Renaissance class, and Renaissance is a little bit like a, like a leadership group at high school, right? They, they plan events and activities and do recognitions at school. I planted kind of a little bit of a seed with one of the students. I said, hey, you know, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead is like coming up, right? Y'all should do something, you know? These were Mexican-American students, and so, you know, they just, they ran with it, right? I mean, they approached the teacher, they developed a whole plan for doing it, and they're setting up an altar at GK High School with pictures of their ancestors and their, their loved ones who had passed away and inviting other students to do the same. So for me, I mean, that is, you know, what belonging is all about, right? That's what belonging looks like. Absolutely, and the way that they can share their culture with the other students at GK, that's an amazing opportunity for them. We're going to skip Michael again. He's, right. he's prepping. Gargling some salt water or something. <laughs> Will, how about you? Right. Now the pressure is extra high because he's going to come after me. Right. <laughs> so instead of a, a single success story, I'm actually going to talk about a successful week over the past week because there was a, a few things that happened. Um, we had the kickoff equity team meeting with our cohort. The cohort is made up of secondary schools in a particular area. One thing that the trainer did for that training is ask in the beginning to give shout outs of things that your school has been doing. Several of the schools mentioned that they're doing their student voice teams, they're bringing them back, and they're looking forward to that. When they were saying this, I actually smiled because when we first started in the school district, it wasn't something that was embraced. It was something that we actually had to fight for to get them to see the importance of the student voice teams. Districts understand student voice as a concept, but what does that actually look like to get groups of students together to get their inputs on what changes can be done in school and what we're doing well, and to resist the adult temptation of, well, we're the adults, right? We're the authorities, right? We just dictate on what to do. So embracing that, that was a powerful moment. And I was like, yes, right, that is great. Then later in the week, went with the Latin American club at the high school. And what they said is during their past assembly, they were able to celebrate the culture in a way that they never have before at the assembly, and that was a big deal. And they said it was specifically because of my input and how I helped them navigate that. And then later in that afternoon, had a meeting with the Poly Club, and we had one of our school board directors attend that meeting. Before the meeting started, they had a ceremony where they sung to us, they chanted, they gave us a lay, they gave us um, their skirts, I think, as a Morrow, whatever, and say, you are now family. You are now one of us. They have seen me in their meetings and like, Mr. Will, you're cool. But at that particular point, I was embraced by them. And now when they see me, they give me hugs, they high five. And that's significant. And that's all in the past week. I'm not one that needs the limelight or the my picture everywhere, any, any of that stuff to write, look at me. But just seeing that stuff and seeing the changes that have been done behind the scenes was very significant. Awesome. I love those successes for you. I love what you said about student voice. I think that's so critical. We know what it's like to work with students that are in school now. We don't know what it's like to be students in school now. I think that is a huge piece that you all are bringing to our district. And also you said you don't like to be photographed, so we won't put you in the Bethel Pride in January, February. We're going to have an article about this. That's okay? No. Take my picture. Right. <laughs> right, right. Take my picture just next to Sasha, not next to Michael, and I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that brings us over to Michael. You can close us out. Student success stories thus far. Well, I just finished gargling my salt water and see, I had a couple things that I wanted to say about my amazing veteran counterpart, Will Waverly, but um, 
threw a little little salt on my game over here. So, but this is how we do. I, I really enjoy our banter in, in this group. But coming back to Student Voice, I wanted to piggyback off what Will was saying because I think Student Voice is super super amazing and probably the most impactful thing we can do is to give student voice. They're the reason why we're here. So success story for me is kind of trying to piggyback off what Will and Darius have been doing over the years with these legacy groups and trying to make these legacy groups more impactful. And what the legacy groups are is putting student-focused groups of young people together to help them have a voice, show them what leadership is, being an ambassador at their school is. And I'm really trying to work on this at the elementary school level and make this something that's very intrinsic in the young people in the elementary school. So as they go through middle and up to high school, we're going to see less, hopefully less issues, less problems with these young people. So with these legacy groups, what I'm trying to do is teach them how to be leaders. We're going to pull out fourth, fifth grade students, put them in these legacy groups, teach them about leadership, what it means to be a leader or an ambassador at their school. And then when you have the younger students that come into the office that end up having problems with the principal for disciplinary actions and things like that, you can bring in these these leaders, these fourth and fifth grade ambassadors at the school after the discipline has been done. You bring in these fourth and fifth grade leaders as peer leaders to help with the kinders, the ones, the twos, because then we don't have this two adults to one student ratio we're now going to have two students in the room and an adult supervising and then we have the student who is actually delivering why we should be good ambassadors at the school what good leadership looks like what it looks like to be a successful student from another student to a student and that way we have students teaching students and not always us adults coming in bringing deliverables to students. So that's what I'm really excited about is piggybacking on those ideas of student leadership that Darius and Will have already been doing over the course of the last four or five years. Everything that Michael, Sasha, and Will have been talking about is relationships and how critical those are and how successful we can be as a school community when we do really focus on relationships and getting to know our students and partnering with them and letting them know that they do belong. So I just so grateful for this team and what we are doing in Bethel. And I know our schools are grateful for the work you all are doing. I have a surprise question. I sent you some of the questions ahead of time. I've thought of one as we've been sitting here and I honestly just want to spend more time with you all. So we're going to drag this out for one more question. As we started our conversation, equity teams have not been a thing in school districts for forever. But we all had people that impacted our lives growing up and helped us remove barriers that were in our way. Who is a, a teacher, a family member, a community member that helped you out on your journey through school? So me growing up here in the Bethel School District was back in the 80s, early 90s, was challenging. It was very hard, first of all, to see a male in any schools and everybody was fighting for male teachers in the elementary school. There was one who's still a teacher today, which is really cool, Mr. Misley. He's at Bethel High School right now. I think he's teaching pottery and it was really cool to walk in that building and see Mize still there because I fought. I wanted him as my, my fifth grade teacher when I was at Oak Plain. Really cool guy and it's really cool to see him still here. But some of the people that were really impactful for me was when I first came to Camas Prairie to see Carl Peterson. Carl Peterson was a black principal there. And Carl, it was really cool to see 
Carl in that in that role because I'd never seen a black educator before. I'd never seen a black male in leadership before. And just seeing that gave me hope that I could do that as well. And I think that's really what's really important about what we're doing, this equity work, is for students to see people around the district in leadership roles as teachers, as administrators, as district leadership that look like them. So we should have a broad, diverse group of individuals here at the district and in the building levels. So as these kids walk around the hallways, they can see individuals that look like themselves so they can in turn put themselves in those places. So we shouldn't just be in the buildings as, as security guards or as lunch folks and stuff like that. We have to be administrators. We have to be district leadership so these young people can see that. So yeah, Carl Peterson would be the guy for me. I love that. So they can see all possibilities, just the, the, the range of, of jobs that are out there for kids Absolutely. and be able to have role models to look up to. Thank you, Michael. Will, looks like you're ready. I'm absolutely ready. So <laughs> who helped me out is my parents, my mom and dad. And I'll speak specifically on my father. So for the first 10, 11 years of my life, I grew up in Richard Island Heights in Philadelphia. That's the projects. Anything you think of in inner city projects, that's the environment that we grew up in. When my dad was 34 years old, he said he was having a dream, and he said God told him that he needed to join the military or he would lose his family there in the projects. He joined the military. At that time, you had to be 35 years or you were too old to join the Army. He was 34 in four months, so almost too old to join the Army. The significance of that is it got us out of that urban jungle, that environment, and then now moved all over the world, seeing things, learn different things from people, learn different cultures. One of the things about the inner city, and you still have family that's in there, you think the world just exists around that block radius. So understanding these are the challenges, understanding having conversations with children that have lower socioeconomic status. I can talk to them and I can relate. I can also relate to those that have overcame that with their families and what does that look like. So that would be the biggest thing. My parents are still together and great. And even seeing them, how they handle loss. And over a period of 18 months, I lost two brothers. One was 25. He died of AIDS. And then a year and a half later, I had another one. He died of a heart attack playing basketball two weeks before he's supposed to graduate high school. The significance of that with my parents, they still continue to pour into others. They still continue to be a beacon of strength to others. And it's been over 25 years. Do they still have that pain? Absolutely. But they still say, you still need to serve and give. And I still follow their footsteps into serving and giving to the communities I'm a part of. Powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us, Will. Sasha? That's hard to follow. I would say that I had a teacher in high school, Carrie Street. She was a journalism teacher. As a kid, I was pretty disengaged from high school. I didn't have a good experience. You know, I didn't see that there were a whole lot of avenues where, you know, I had very, like, clear interests as a kid, but I didn't see where there was a whole lot of avenues where I could really explore those in some of my other classes and, and the things I was learning about. And it was really hard for me to see myself in the curriculum and what I was learning. Journalism was kind of an avenue where I could kind of explore what I wanted to, right, um, and write about what I, what I wanted to, do interviews with people and learn about things that I wanted to, and, and so that was that was kind of, yeah, she really supported me. Excellent. I love that. I know our teachers would love to hear that, too. You never know what teacher is really going to make an impact, whether it's a pottery teacher or, or a journalism teacher or your math teacher. It could be anybody. And, Deb, that leaves you right back where we started our conversation with you and our equity team here. Who is somebody from your past growing up that really made an impact on you? So I'm going to be vulnerable. 
We are all learning that vulnerability is absolutely, it's essential for us to grow. When I was a student through all, all middle school, well, it was junior high then and high school, I wore a brace. And I had extremely supportive and loving parents, but they were also very protective. And so the conversation a lot of times was, Debbie, you can't do that. No, Debbie, you can't do that. And what I really wanted to do was be a nurse. It's all I ever wanted to do. And my parents very lovingly said, Debbie, you can't do that. And I thought, oh, well, what am I going to do? What, what? That's all I wanted to be. And I had a teacher in high school, Mr. Esau. I was a very good student. And it wasn't that. And I was concert mistress of the orchestra. And I was in choir and all of those things. And it wasn't that I didn't feel like I had abilities or a place, but I did. Because what I wanted to be was what I was told, that's not going to work. You know, you, you can't do that physically. And so anyway, Mr. Esau just pulled me aside one day and said, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going on with you, which was an amazing thing in itself. But I want to talk to you. What do you want to do when you graduate? And I said, well, I'm going to go to college. And he said, well, what if you were a music teacher? And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, no, but look at where you are accelerating. And he just had this conversation with me that brought some confidence. And I ended up doing that and then kind of changed. Things changed a little bit. And now I'm... <laughs> I was in human resources. That's actually my degree. But what that did for me was just having a conversation with somebody that it mattered, and he saw what I was going through and helped me realize that, you know, why don't you try this or do this? And it was just really, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And even though I'm not a music teacher, <laughs> it has gotten me where I am today, which I really believe things happen for a reason. I'm so glad all of you were so honest and open and vulnerable. I love what you said. Vulnerability helps us grow. It's so true. And the work that you all are doing for students in our district, just like you said, Deb, you're making students feel seen and feel heard. And that is so critically important. And I want to thank you all for what you do here in the district. And thank you all for being on the podcast. Deb Carlman, Michael Dwyer, Sasha Fischel Freeman, and Will Waverly. Thank you all for what you do here in the district. And thank you for joining us today. Thanks for finally letting me back into the studio, Doug. I really love what they had to say about student voice and some pretty interesting answers about the reality TV. Now, I'm gonna turn the question to you, my man. If you could be on a reality TV show, which one would you choose? Four words, America's next top model. Doug, I don't wanna crush your dreams, but you do not have the cheekbones for that. I know, I know, I'm loading up on collagen. I'm gonna make this happen. How about you, Connor? Reality TV show you want to be on, and I assume win. I'm going to go with the Great British Bake Off. It's the best show ever. Don't you have to be British for that? No bother, Doug. I can fake it, isn't it? Oh my gosh, that's worse than your Michael Caine. How dare you talk about my Michael Caine? <laughs> <laughs> that is hard on the ears, but that's Michael Caine in the 60s, dude. Michael Caine talks like this now. I'm Michael Caine. And I'm Michael Caine. And we'll see you next week. In it. Thank you.